Whatever the result of today's election, there are going to be some changes in Australia's political landscape. This election will mark the end of a number of political careers, either through retirements or the will of the voters. So we're ending today's show on a slightly more contemplative note by looking at life after politics. Earlier this week, I was joined by two Australians who were elected to federal government, very young, and then went on to have successful, fulfilling careers after they left Canberra. At just 20 years of age, Wyatt Roy was the youngest person ever elected to the Australian Parliament. He served from 2010 to 2016 as a Liberal National Party member, even had a stint as an Assistant Minister, and he's now the Managing Director of Affinity Australia. I was also joined by Natasha Stott-Despoyer. She became a Senator for the Australian Democrats in 1995. At just 26 She was the youngest woman to enter federal parliament and she went on to serve until 2008. She's had a stellar career since, including a current role with the UN Committee on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women. Here's what they had to say. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us on. Now, you were both very young when you started your political careers. Wyatt, I understand actually that after you were elected, Natasha reached out to you. She did. I mean, I'm not sure if you remember this, Natasha, or not, but uh, she reached out. I can't remember how, but uh, we caught up and we had a good chat about, you know, what life would be like in the parliament because obviously it's a pretty unique experience. And, of course, the thing I remember most is Natasha very generously as a South Australian gave me a big box of Hague chocolate. So I immediately fell in love with Natasha after that. (laughs) Very good. Look, I'm so – I'm chuffed that you remember that. But, of course, uh, I do recall it and it's a – big part, and I suspect you do this too, a a big part of post-political life is trying to provide support and mentoring for other people who enter parliament. But I I giggle because we're often referred to as obviously two of the younger members to have entered the parliament. But even uh, meeting you for the first time, Wyatt, I was like, oh my gosh, I could be his mother. So (laughs) it's still, um, it's it's all relative. (laughs) Uh, I'll go with nice old assistant, Natasha. I won't quite jump that far up. Um, I thought it was a very nice little bit of exchange. Now you started, as I said, Wyatt, at 20. I do vividly remember when you came on, I thought, my God, as he, you know, finished high school. What was that time of your life like on reflection? Uh, well, particularly, you know, when you're elected, it is a, you know, as I just said, it's a very, very unique experience. I mean, there is nothing quite like being a member of parliament and there's certainly nothing quite like being a member of parliament at 20 where you're kind of writing the rule books as you go along. But, um, you know, it was an amazing experience. Um, it was truthfully you're kind of running on adrenaline it's a very very intense experience where all of a sudden you you know your life is opened up to lots of scrutiny there's a lot to do and I think really in those early days you're moving so quickly you know you're so focused on trying to do a good job there's so much happening you don't really get that chance to sit back and reflect and sort of feel you know sort of live in the moment as much as you do I think when you really experience that is actually several years after you're elected and then you know certainly you know post losing in 2016 and stepping back, you really start to think about how significant of an experience that was. And to you, Natasha, do you look back on your years in Canberra fondly or not so fondly? I look back proudly, um, Geraldine. I think uh, there are elements that, of course, I remember fondly. And I think something that 
some of our colleagues might suggest is in short supply these days, but the cross-party camaraderie, when that existed, that's something I, I missed a lot when I left Parliament. Um, but certainly, as we've seen, particularly in recent times, with a lot of scrutiny about the treatment of, uh, of women, especially in Parliament, there are things that I look back on and, and I feel appalled. I still feel quite even triggered by some of my experiences. But, but overall, that opportunity to change lives for the better in some small way through that legislative and policy process is still something that, yes, I, I, I cherish and I'm proud and happy to have been a part of. Is it a bit like being at sort of an extraordinary boarding school? Uh, you know, sometimes when you look, <laughs> look on, you can see there's a, an amazing community there. And I often think that's not spoken about enough, but also it has that... Oh, it it doesn't resemble, I suppose, uh, what a lot of us take part in in our daily lives. Yeah, I mean, that was very much my experience. I mean, Natasha, I'm not sure if you had sort of the same, but I felt the thing that really hit me very early on was that it didn't really matter what walk of life someone came from before they went into parliament. You know, you could be the most high-flying lawyer or union representative or whatever. When you're on day one in the parliament, you're all very much equals and, and certainly in the major political party where everyone has one vote in the party room and, you know, should there ever be a leadership ballot one day, we all have one vote. So you, you're very kind of equal from day one and, you know, you're sort of in the trenches together. And when I say in the trenches, not just party political but across the aisle, I mean, you're all going through the same experience of being away from home, away from family, confronting the media, you know, so on and so forth. It does really bond you and it's, you know, I, I've never been to boarding school but I would say it's probably as as close to that experience as, as you would think it is. Mm. So you did keep good friends because, you know, that's another thing that, is, that you better have a dog rather than a friend, I think was Paul Keating said <laughs> in, in politics. <laughs> um, so you did make good friendships, did you? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, oh, we'd both suggest that very strongly. Yeah. You know, a lot of the antagonism and a lot of the gladiatorial stuff you see played out in the chamber or elsewhere, that was often a minor, minor part. Some of the, the friendships created are lifelong and particularly, again, getting in the parliament when it was only around 14% female, there was almost a natural bond mm -hmm. among a lot of the women because of our, uh, our difference. Cross-party uh, too. Cross-party, well, absolutely. I mean, the Democrats obviously, you know, I will always see this, we're, say this, we're ahead of our time in terms of more women than men even at some points and, of course, female leaders before the other political parties. However, um, you know, it was really early stages for, for both the majors as well. So you, if you wanted to have that kind of, I guess, sisterly camaraderie, for lack of a better word, um, that was important to, to bond across mm -hmm. the aisle. Uh, but, you know, don't worry, there are plenty of stories where perhaps that wasn't always reciprocated. <laughs> Look, you lost your seat, Wyatt, of Longman at the 2016 election. How tough was that? How did you process it? Um, you know, it's a um, it's a pretty confronting experience for anybody to, to sort of lose an election, particularly a high-profile one. And, and for me, um, I, I always took a very realistic view about this. You know, I always knew from day one that I was sort of faced with, you know, in politics, you are literally faced with your mortality every day and everybody you meet is a job interview. And so, you know, you literally have thousands and thousands and thousands of job interviews over your career. But when you realise... 40,000, 50,000 people basically fired you on a day very publicly. That can be a confronting experience for some people. And I think the question is, just how do you respond to that? And for me, I was very 
you know, I just had a lot of zen about it is, is, is the kind of truth. And I was really proud of what I'd done. You know, I think if in politics I hadn't done as much as I had and, you know, I was fortunate enough to be a minister and do a, a big reform package and, you know, achieve quite a lot. So I was quite proud about that and I, I was quite frankly excited about doing something else with my life. Sorry to interrupt you, but you did say you wanted to get as far away from government as possible, very consciously. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's true. And and I was genuinely excited about that. I um you know, I remember um, on election night, so you know, the polls closed at six o'clock, and you were, you know, I was, I was absolutely exhausted. I went for a run on on the beach um, just to sort of clear my head and decompress. And I remember genuinely feeling quite sort of happy um, <laughs> for the first time in quite a while, knowing full well that I could, you know, I could lose in a few hours. And and at that point, I had spent one in five days I'd been alive in the parliament. Uh, so you know, at that age, it was pretty. Pretty, in, you know, pretty intense sort of period of my life, and I thought, well, this is a great opportunity, as you say, to sort of get as far away from politics yeah. to do something different with my life, to learn a new skill set, and that's made me really happy since. But that doesn't mean that you know the parliamentary experience wasn't incredible, and I learned yeah. a lot through it as well. And Natasha, you decided to quit politics in two thousand and eight. I was really quite sad when you did that. I have to say, how difficult was that decision for you? It was a terribly difficult decision and and it's interesting because even with our contrasting stories, you know, I made the choice to leave and I announced that, uh, you know, towards the end of 2006 um, because, of course, my party wanted to know if I was running and they could prepare for the the subsequent election for the the Senate. Um, And at that time I had a, a young son and by the time I actually left in 2008 when my term expired, I had uh, then a four-month-old daughter. So for me, I've often described it as, you know, an empowering decision because, you know, I had I was privileged enough to have the choice uh, to decide to, you know, spend more time with my family. But it doesn't mean that I, I missed it any less. You know, there were, I would still yell at question time on, you know, in the car on school mm. runs and I'd wake up in the morning and see an issue or someone would contact me and I think, oh, I know what I'll do. I've got a private member's be like, oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm not in parliament anymore. So, again, that desire to make change but through different avenues. But, yes, I, um, I did. I pined for a while there. I really did miss it. Mm, well, I can imagine. And Wyatt, you're now the Australian General Manager of, of Affinity, which is a global AI company. How different are the worlds of politics and, say, big tech? Um, look, they are pretty different. I mean, obviously, through my work as a you know assistant minister, I had a lot of exposure to the technology sector in Australia, and you know that's an incredibly exciting space and one that I wanted to be in. I think probably the biggest difference that I notice is in every workplace is, you know, politics or other things at play. But, I mean, politics is very much driven by emotion. You know, if you're trying to convince people of things, unfortunately, it's not always sort of logic that prevails or it's not sort of one plus one equals two. It's sort of much more emotive arguments. Where in business, of course, there's some element of emotion and, of course, there's some element of politics. But the truth is, if you can say one plus one equals two and we can make more money if we do this, it's a very kind of logical um, conversation or certainly much more than you would have in politics. And I found that just incredibly um, refreshing and I've really enjoyed, you know, learning that kind of business skill set and, and playing mm. in a different environment. And the truth is one of the things that constantly surprises me as you go between the business community and the political community is how little they actually know about each other and how, how little they, mm. yes, you know, really. they might, might pretend that they know a lot about each other. But in reality, I mean, it's it always what surprises me. What different sensibility me. or lack of actual information? 
Uh, well, I mean, Natasha said yes, so I might let Natasha. Yeah, go on, Natasha. I'll, <laughs> I'll, oh, I'll no, no, that's such a critical point. And it's funny because also when, I don't know, why if you felt this when you left politics, there's an element of I've got a lot to contribute, I've learnt all these skills, but then suddenly you think, oh, actually, what are the skills that I learnt in politics? Are they applicable to other arenas or let alone the business, you know, and corporate world? And they are incredibly useful, but also I'm amazed constantly at uh, corporate leaders, private sectors, sector leaders with whom I meet who really don't understand a lot about politics and the parliamentary processes. So it's I think anything that gets those groups working closer together is uh, is a good thing. But I was shocked actually by people's lack of real awareness of, of how our democracy operates and how our parliament specifically uh, works as well. I must say, neither of you have mentioned the art of persuasion, which I'm always <laughs> stunned that the business world seems to think that you can just sort of have by fiat, you know, make things happen. Yep. You say, actually, no. Um, but I, it, which leads me to sort of towards my final question, Natasha. Uh, you have been the founding chairperson of Our Watch, which is a group that focuses on the prevention of violence against women and children. Um, you did quite a bit of work at the Department of uh, Foreign Affairs and Trade uh, with um, Australian Ambassador for Women and Girls. Do you think it's easier, again, on reflection, to fight for a cause from within politics or from outside politics? Oh, I suspect I'm going to be a typical Democrat on this one and say both. Um, <laughs> have a bet each way. The reality is, of course, we can create change through different avenues. And I've always tried to, particularly with young people, say, you know, Parliament's not the be-all and end-all. In fact, sometimes, you know, with a stroke of a pen, you can change lives for the better, sure, with a piece of legislation. But the broader piece, which is the piece I've been involved in, I guess, in the last eight years, is that cultural change piece. And that does take time. But I, you know, you mentioned the art of persuasion. I mean, having been on the crossbench, you know, in a minor party, the only way we ever got things done was with, you know, a willingness to negotiate and compromise. And also knowing that I was part of an, you know, uh, I guess a non-mainstream party and my views are quite progressive, of course, I've always understood the mainstream. You've got to bring people with you. So whether it's preventing domestic violence, sexual assault, those things that I've been working on, or whether it's the work that I do now on women's and girls' rights or any other sector, there are myriad ways, myriad of ways mm. to achieve that. But it always depends on bringing people with you. And I guess that's why I find, you know, some of the gladiators politics that we're witnessing, obviously, at the moment, really concerning. Uh, look, I mean, uh, Wyatt, I presume it's fabulous not waking up in the morning and wondering who's going to criticise you. That, that must be... <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice. It's very liberating, I would or, say. Or, you know, those, those, those presses, those, those uh, media conferences, the, the, the doorstops, gosh. Yeah. You know, um, I, think, I think when I was in Parliament, uh, you know, my body clock basically set itself to wake up every morning at, you know, four o'clock or quarter past four and very unhealthy. You know, I think this is sort of actually yep. sort of the generation of politicians that I had, but you would very quickly have to first check, you know, is anything horrific being written about you or spoken about you overnight? And then second, get across, you know, as much detail as possible before you, you know, walked out the front door and you might be doing morning radio or morning TV or just running into people in the street who, you know, will be asking you questions about the issues of the day. And I think that very intense sort of you've got to get across a lot, defend yourself a lot very, very quickly is, I mean, there's not really another profession, I think, that has to do that no, in that sort of way. Not, so that, that's pretty unique. No. Any quick um, advice for people who might be about to leave political life <laughs> at the end of today? Quickly from you first, Natasha. 
Oh, look, there is life after politics. Uh, obviously, I want to reassure colleagues and former colleagues that they do have a skill set because I find even some of the best ministers with whom I've dealt really doubt once they leave and of some, sometimes it depends the manner in which they leave, of course, um, but they often doubt that their skills, their ideas, the work that we've done in you know, Parliament with policy and legislation actually has that applicability. So there's life after politics, but, um, you know, it's probably not a bad thing to leave some of that scrutiny and media behind. And Wyatt? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think um, uh, there is a lot of life after politics and uh, it can be in many ways, you know, as or more fulfilling than a political career. I think the piece of advice would be um, one, you know, as I said, try and have a lot of zen i mean it's a, it's it's an unpleasant sort of experience to do a you know a, a forced redundancy of that type but i would say to people you know if you have zen about it you're happy and you have a positive outlook on life then i think that that does make a huge difference and you know unfortunately you know we see too often people who go through that transition sort of being angry or bitter or twisted mm. about how that came to be and life is bigger than that moment so i think just have that zen don't be afraid to learn and, and, you know, surround yourself with good people to, to learn those new skill sets that you will want because you have a lot to bring to the table from from the career that you've had in Parliament and, and enjoy the next chapter. I mean, it's uh, it's there to be enjoyed and it's yours to make. Nothing bitter and twisted about either of you. Look, it's been yeah, lovely here, to chat. <laughs> Wyatt Roy, <laughs> Natasha Stott-Despoir, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank Absolute you so much. Pleasure. Thank you.